It doesn't seem possible that it's been six weeks of preaching or meddling or whatever it might be. I'd like to start today. I talked to Doug and Sharon had to take her mom to the hospital. And uh, her mom's 83, Helen, so keep Helen in our prayers. And Loanne's mom is a little better this week, but she still needs our prayers and the family. So let's just take a moment and start out with prayer. Father, we believe in you, and we know in in our times of sadness, our times of unsurety, that you're right there holding our hand, and we just pray that you'll be with Sharon and her mom right now, and just as they're going to the hospital, not sure what's happening, we just pray, Father, that you'll hold them in your loving hand, and that you'll just take care of each one of them, and just help them through this time, and be with the doctors that they'll be able to assist and we just turn them over to you and we turn each one of our loved ones so each one of us here as we go through different things in life father we know and we believe in you and we just thank you for your love in jesus name amen yeah i in the little church in bodega where we would attend they sang that song and and uh First time I heard it, I cried, and I still get tears in my eyes because it's just a, a, a song that really grips because, man, sometimes we're weak. Sometimes we hear that voice in our head that says, you're not worth it. Ever hear that? Ever hear that self-talk, that negative talk that tells us we're not good enough to make it to heaven? We're not, and we're not. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ that we have that. When I was a little boy, we used to play a game. We always counted by fives, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, here I come, ready or not. You ever play hide and seek with God? Yeah, yeah, we do. We do, because sometimes we say, okay, here, and we play games, and we play games, you know, we grew up playing these games, and we know how to play games pretty good. You know, I, I like the commercial on TV, and I couldn't even tell you what they're what they're advertising. But the little boy's coughing, and the little boy's got the thermometer up in the light because he's playing sick and doesn't want to go to school, and and all of that. And we probably have done all of those things. And some of the other games we play is that of of getting up, and you, you know, probably never happened to you, but it's happened to us. Getting our kids ready to go to church on Sunday morning and, and I had to leave to go early and I'd walk over and I'd come back to get the kids and my wife and, and the bar would be saying, come on, Tim, get ready. Come on, Bonnie, get ready. And, you know, which one was the slowest one? And, and, and I've seen people who come in and they, they drive in and they're, they're yelling at each other and all this and that as I've watched them come in. But when they pull into the parking lot, a miracle happens. They get this smile on their face and they're the greatest people in the whole world and and they greet each other with love and you know you wouldn't do that i know but you know this is the way that things happen and then we play games by seeing someone maybe that we don't like them and maybe they're not quite what we think they should be as i had one of my deacons say to me we don't want those type of people in our church and maybe we have something like that and we walk up and we give them a hug, and I love you, so I'm going to give you a hug. But, you know, we walk up and we give them a hug or a holy handshake or a holy elbow bump or fist bump or whatever it might be. And then when we walk away, we grumble, well, what's that? Did you, did you see that person? They weren't quite clean enough or whatever. We ever play that game? You know, let's be real. We sometimes judge each other 
Sometimes we look at each other and we say, okay, they've got sin. And I don't know if I want to associate with them with God. You know, I had a dream the other night. Now, this is a lie, but I had a dream the other night. <laughs> and I dreamt I was on one side of, the, of this lake. And Dennis and Mark and Doug were on the other side. And there was a sign that was on the other side that said, You must cross over this lake. And as you cross through, you will sink in the water as deep as your sins are. And Mark, being the preacher, says, Well, hey, Dennis... Go ahead and walk over. You're the tallest one. <laughs> so Dennis starts walking over and he sinks down to about his knees and he takes another step or two and he's up to about his waist. And he takes another step or two and he's up to about his chest. And then he takes, he's walking over and he's tipping toed and he's got right up to the waters, right up here to his chin. <clears throat> but he made it over to where I was. Now don't tell me why I was over there, but anyway... <laughs> Then Doug came, and Mark says, well, Doug, you go ahead. And here comes Doug, and he's walking over, and he's just about knee-deep. Now remember that you sink down as far as your sins are. Dennis and I are looking over, and we're looking, and we're saying, well, where's Mark? We holler out to Doug. Hey, Doug, where's Mark? Doug goes, shh, I'm standing on his shoulders. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I told you it might not be the true story, but it's, uh, you know. Sometimes we can look at other people and we try to judge how much sin they have. Sometimes we look at other people and we forget to look at the glass and looking at us. Today we're going to talk about Peter. And we're going to look at the glass through Peter's eyes. And we're going to see where Peter was. In his life. If you remember, just six weeks ago, I talked about, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And five weeks ago, I talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where we are to have this God-like love, the agape love in our life. And we're to love above everything else. We're to love others. And we're to love God. Then I talked in Ephesians 5 where the husband and wife, uh, and, and we use this in marriage, but yet the whole purpose is that we would love like Christ loves us, the church, his bride, unconditionally, irrevocably. Then I got to meddle in a little bit and I talked about Colossians where we are to forgive each other. We're to love each other so much that we're to forgive each other the same way that God forgives us. And then last week I talked about what I call is really the love chapter. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 21, where it says love each other, care for each other. And 27 loves in that 14 verses, there's love is mentioned 27 times. And only one of those is friendship love, the phileo love. All the rest is agape love, God love where we're supposed to love unconditionally. So we run into Peter and turn to, to John chapter 21. Turn that slide up, John 21. If you're using a pew Bible, it's 687. I want you to open that because we're going to use it. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. But we're going to read some of it as we go down through. 
So if we look at John 21 there, we have to consider what God is saying. Another story before we start, a little boy asked his dad, Dad, what's the size of God? And the dad thought for a moment, and he happened to look up in the sky, and he saw this airplane flying. He said, Son, how big is that plane? Well, Daddy, that plane is very little. I can hardly see it. So he took his son to the airport, and they were walking up to a a big plane, 747 or a 57 or 67 or whatever they are now. And he said, Son, how big is that plane? He said, Daddy, that plane is huge. And the dad sit the son on his knee and said, it's like God. It depends if we're close or far away from him what he looks like. The closer we get to him, the closer we get to God, the greater and greater he is in our lives. God is great. You know, how important it is for us to realize that. So we come to John chapter 21. We start out seeing the disciples getting together and Peter being his normal self says, well, I'm going to go fishing. So they all did. So the scene is set where they're on the sea, they're fishing, they fished all night long and here's someone standing on the shore and he's got a fire going, he's got fish on the fire and he calls out, hey guys, did you catch any fish? Nope, nothing. Throw your nets on the other side. Now, they're only about 100 yards out. And these fishermen who are professional fishermen thinking, oh, yeah, this is a guy, what's he know? Because they weren't sure it was Christ. So they threw their nets on the other side, and they caught 153 large fish, so much the nets almost broke pulling them in. What did Peter do? He realized who it was. He jumped out of the boat. It says he put his clothes on. He jumped out of the boat. He swam to see the Lord. So now we've got the setting of where we are. Peter. What a guy. When he was first called by Jesus Christ, he was enthusiastic. He was the first one to say, to declare that Jesus was a Messiah. He was the one who dared to step out of the boat and walk on water as Jesus was walking to him after the feeding of the 5,000. He was the one that took his eyes off Jesus and started to sink. But remember, he was the one that had a faith enough to walk because Jesus said, come on out. And Peter did it. Jesus, or Peter was the one who at the Last Supper said, if everybody else denies you, Lord, I'm not going to. He was zealous. He knew where he stood with the Lord. He was the one in Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. We call that the great confession. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Three verses later, Jesus said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You ever wonder if if Peter lost the keys? Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys. And just a few days later, what happens? Peter denied Jesus Christ. Not once, not twice, but three times he denied Jesus Christ. 
Did he lose the keys? Now, I'm not quite ready to string Peter up. But if you remember, Jesus said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. If you remember, Peter began to sink as he got out of the boat and he took his eyes off of Jesus. If you remember, Peter was the one who refused to let Jesus wash his feet. And Jesus said, if you don't wash your feet, you have nothing to, if I don't wash your feet, I have nothing to do with you. And Peter said, not only wash my feet, but wash my whole body, Lord. Peter was that one who was zealous in many ways and yet fell flat on his face in other times. It was Peter who claimed to, to not know Jesus. It was Peter in John chapter 18, verse 15 through 18 that said, I don't know him. No, I don't know him. No, I was not with him. As they asked him, weren't you? You were, were the one with Jesus, weren't you? Now how is that in our lives? How many times have we said, Lord, I love you. I love you, Lord. I lift up my voice. How important it is for us. And then something comes along and we sneak through. We don't stand and say, I love you. But we might turn our back on him to sin. Whatever the sin is, you can list the sins in your own life. We all have them. Amen? Amen. We all fall short. God can help us. Christ is the only one that forgives us. He loves us in spite of ourselves. What about our temptation? We make a confession of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to make an assumption here that everyone here has confessed Christ as their Lord. I'm going to make that assumption. Okay? If you haven't, I want you to think about it. Because this is the only way we're going to get out of this world alive. At least to go to be with God. So we accept Christ as our Lord. We're baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. We confess we're going to live for Christ. We're going to do God's will. Now when I was 12 years old, I confessed Christ as my Lord. I was baptized for the remission of my sins. I promised God that I was going to quit swearing, quit drinking, quit smoking. I won't tell you what all else I promised I'd quit doing. But I promised I was going to quit swearing. That was my number one goal. And I made it three weeks. And I remember the day that I swore. And I went out and cried. Why? Because I let God down. How many times we cry because we let God down? No different than Peter denying him. We let God down. Now God doesn't expect us to be perfect. We're forgiven. Remember, we by, live by grace. And I'm sure glad because we wouldn't make it if it wasn't. But let's look at our lives. Are we really living the way God wants us to? Are we really doing what God wants us to? Are we really glorifying Him the way God wants us to? Peter's denial was well known. It's written in this book. Our denial isn't written here. But we can go back to that song that we just heard. And the chorus goes this. I keep fighting voices in my head that say I'm not an enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. 
But then you go to the chorus. You say I am loved and I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. You say I am held when I'm falling short. And when I don't belong, you say I am yours. Let's not forget that. I believe. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I have taken him in my Savior. Does that mean I don't fumble and drop the ball and fall on my face and get my knees skinned up? Norma and I went to the doctor different days. We got more than our knees skinned up, didn't we, Norma? We fought the doctor, and the doctor won is what it is. If you look, we've had the, both had skin cancer or skin blotches taken off. You know, if you go from John 18 where Jesus, Paul, Peter denied Christ... You get a glimpse of Peter being there, and the only thing that is said is when Jesus raised from the tomb, Peter and another disciple ran, and the other disciple outran uh, Peter, and that was John. And Peter went right, but John stopped at the door, at the at where the door was, where the rock was rolled away, and Peter ran right on in. But nothing said about Peter being at the cross. John was there. John was there and Jesus said, John, behold your mother and mother, behold your son. We're assuming that Peter was there. But he wasn't that one out front. He wasn't the one. He was humbled and standing back. He wasn't sure where he belonged in the kingdom anymore. Did he lose those keys? Did he lose them? Do you think he had that self-talk of how he wasn't worthy anymore? Do you think he had that fear that God wouldn't accept him anymore? Or Christ wouldn't love him anymore? And what Jesus say as he hung on the cross? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that took in Peter and all of us. How important it is for us to realize in our life that we must first come to Christ and we must grasp his love the agape love the unconditional irrevocable love of God that says I'm going to love you in spite of yourself I'm going to love you whether you want to grumble or complain or whatever it is and I want you to come up higher to where you will believe in me and trust me When was the last time you were called by your full name? Mom always called it when we were in trouble, right? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) How long ago was it since you've been called by your full name? I wouldn't tell anybody my middle name for many years because I was teased about being RCA Victor. (laughs) You know... Well, when I started working for the state, I had to sign my name hundreds of times every week. And it was James V. Parrish. Very few people knew what my middle name was. But God knows. God knows your middle name. He knows exactly where you are. And when we come to John here, the 21st chapter, we have to think... Our name is going to be called just like Peter's was.
When Peter was first called in John twenty-one or John verse one, uh, or chapter one, verse forty-two, Jesus said, "You are Simon, the son of John. You are called Cephas, and translated Peter. You are Simon, the son of John. I know who you are, but you're going to be called Peter." Never mind that Peter had already broken and failed his promise of that first calling. When we come to John 21 here, we see that Jesus is calling him again. Jesus is saying to him, and if you look there, I want you to follow me, as he said to him back in the first book part of John. Jesus is saying, I want you, and he's saying the same to us. No matter how many times we break his laws, no matter how many times we fall flat on our face, he wants us to get up and go and sin no more. He wants us to come and love him and love others like he loves us. He wants us to forgive us. He wants us to do those 20 things to put off and put on that I gave last week. God wants us to be better than we are because we are his children. We are the light of the world and our light must shine. And we must do his will to go out, as it says in Matthew 28. Love, forgive, and restore. That's what it says. No, it's not that written. It says go into all the world and teach. Baptize and teach. Love, forgive, and restore. How important that is for us. Jesus said, I give a new commandment to you. If you love one another, by this you will be known that you are my disciples if you love one another. Six weeks of love. You're probably tired of it. But six weeks of God saying, I want you to come where you are. And I want you to come up higher to the greater things I've got in life. I want you to be restored. I want you to be forgiven. Let's look at John verse 15 through 17. I think Jesus probably got a hold of Peter and walked off a little bit. Where maybe the other fishermen, the other disciples were after breakfast mingling a little bit. Maybe they were messing with their fish, cleaning the nets. I don't know. But you have Jesus and you have Peter. And reading verse 15, following when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of John, do you love me more than these? Now we think that these might be the fishing and the other disciples and, and the things of life. That's a, that's a guess. And Peter said, now Jesus asked, do you agape me? Do you unconditionally love me more than these? And Peter answered and said, I phileo you. I love you as my friend. Wow. He couldn't say I love you as Lord. And Jesus turned around and he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter responded, and again, that was, do you agape me, unconditionally love me? And Peter responded, yeah, no, you're my friend, Lord. I love you as my friend. 
Jesus first on the one says, feed my lambs, my little children. Take care of them. Love my little children. The second one, he says, take care of my sheep, the adults, the ones who are out busy working. And the third one, he says, the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because he asked the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Do you get the idea? What Jesus is saying to Peter? Now he's restoring Peter from the three denials that he gave. And he's asking Peter three times. The first time is, do you really unconditionally love me? More than anything else in this world. I'm going to read into it a little bit. And Peter says, Lord, you know I'm your good friend. I love you. The second time Jesus said, do you unconditionally love me? And Peter said, you know I'm your good friend. And Jesus changed it a little bit. And he said, Peter, do you really love me as a good friend? And Peter said, I love you as a good friend. But he was hurt because he was asked the third time. If you go on just a little bit, Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. But there's more to the story. Corey Timboon put a, a good illustration that I, that I want to share with you. Look around and be distressed. Look inside, be depressed. Look at Jesus and be at rest. When we look at him, we are victorious. Do you love me? God's saying. Do you love me more than these? Peter and John played games. I like what you said. Don't applaud too loud for Jim because Mark's going to be hurt, you know, so on and so forth. We can play games that way. We can be jealous of each other. Peter and John were trying to outshow each other. James and John was asked by his mother, their mother, if they could be at the right hand and left hand of Jesus. And Jesus says, that's not the game we're playing, folks. Our game is to live for him. To love Him, agape love, unconditional, irrevocable commitment to God that no matter what, we're going to live for Him and glorify Him. How important it is for us to not play those games. Jesus realized that. But Peter set Jesus straight. He said, you're going to go through, if you look there in, in, in John chapter 21, after Jesus, uh, Peter's confession, and Jesus said, follow me. Jesus said, as Peter turned to the other disciple, John, who was a little competition, Jesus said, when you get old, somebody's going to lead you around by the hand and stretch hands. He was predicting Peter's death. And Peter turned around and he saw John. He says, well, what about him? Jesus said what? Don't worry about him. Worry about yourself. It's your commitment to me. I've asked you to follow me the second time. I've given you the keys. And I want you to live for me. 
If I want John to not die before I come again, that's none of your business. So don't compare yourselves with each other. Compare yourself with Jesus Christ. That we have our love for Him. We go on and we see that Jesus' love is there. And I thank God for His love that He gives to me in unexpected ways. I thank God that His love is there whether He calls me to the ministry or to preach for six weeks or to go do whatever it is, I want to be able to do it. Whether it's waiting tables or cleaning up after someone or whatever it might be, I want to be able to do it. Because that's what God's love. Let us love one another. For love is of God. How important it is for us to see that God loves us. And what does He tell us to do as He called us to follow Him? Feed my sheep. Love my little children. Then He says, take care of all of my children. All ages, all sizes, all shapes, whatever it might be. And then He says, feed all of my sheep or love my whole family even the unlovely as Christians our light should shine so much in Jesus Christ that we're going to love someone who is different than we are or not as rich or not as poor or whatever it might be wherever we are it doesn't make any difference God wants us to love them Do you love me? If Jesus asked you that three times, what would you say? Do you really, unconditionally, irrevocably, more than anything else in the whole world or anyone else in the whole world, do you love me? Thou art the Christ the Son of the living God. We confess Him. But sometimes we stumble. Sometimes we fall. We need to love someone that stumbles and falls and bring them back into the fold, just as Jesus went out and left 99 sheep and went out after that one that wandered astray. We need to love the sheep like that. It is Christ's sheep. We are only the shepherds to bring them back and show them the light. And that light must shine from within. I'd like us to go to the next slide. And I want us to read this together. Jude 1.21 Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Keep yourself in God's love. Hold on with all your might, with all your strength. As Jesus Christ brings us into eternal life. When we stand before God, Jesus is going to say, don't worry about their sins. They've all been washed away by my blood. And they loved me and they followed me. And we ask that God's will be done. We think of Christmas. And I think every, every woman in here said, I love your tie. Yeah. 
<laughs> Some of you guys might say, I'd like to take your tie and hang you up so I don't have to wear one. God gave us a gift. My grandson gave me this when he was one year old, and he's 19 now. And this tie is very special. Of all the ties I had, I kept this one. And I wear this one time or maybe twice every year about this time. And it reminds me of a gift that someone I love who loved me gave to me. God gave us a gift, his son, Jesus Christ. And I want to conclude with four words. Next slide. Christ breaks, or unbreaks the broke. Think of that. If you get nothing else out of this sermon, Christ unbreaks the broke. Father, we thank you. We thank you for Christ. We thank you for Peter. To show us that he fell flat on his face and yet you loved him and forgave him and brought him back into the fold. And yes, he did have the keys to the kingdom of God. And Father, we love you and we fall on our face and we know that by your grace we can be brought back to the fold. Because through Christ, he unbreaks our broken hearts. In Jesus' name we pray that you'll bless us. Amen.